welcome to episode two of the Yogapreneurs podcast with Cornell Thomas on being your purpose. In this episode, we meet Cornell, speaker, author, and social entrepreneur from New Jersey, USA. Two weeks away from playing professional football in Europe, Cornell suffered a career-ending injury that derailed his dreams and left him questioning his purpose. In this interview, we will explore how to get past the why me to what now. Cornell, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Mia. How are you? I am fantastic. I am so glad to have you here. Um, you are the inspiration for this podcast. I think it was only a week ago that we were sitting and you said, you have to do a podcast. And, <laughs> and I was like, I have to do a podcast. And then Tarun said, let's do a podcast. So it was all serendipitous. That, and everything just kind of aligned. And then uh, Tarun being the genius he is, he had everything in order within 24 hours for us to do this podcast. And you are the first person to be interviewed. Fantastic. Yes, Yay. I'm honored. I think I said you have to do a podcast, but I, I need to be your first guest. Exactly. I think that <laughs> exactly. And that's what happened. So it's all yeah. action. Love it. It's all about creating action. Fantastic. Well, for, every, for anyone that doesn't know, Cornell Thomas is um, a father, husband, speaker, author, and someone who's living there, his purpose and helping others realize that they can too. And when we met um, about a week ago, we just kind of had this kind of natural flow of conversation and we were so aligned in our vision of entrepreneurship and spirituality and personal growth and what it means to be living your purpose. Um, and I just think it's yeah, so happy and grateful to have Cornell as the first person interviewed on the Yogapreneurs podcast. Yeah. And uh, it'd be welcome, Cornell, and it'd be really lovely to hear from you um, so that the audience knows what, how would you define your key milestones in your life so far? For, yeah, for me, I would say, Mia, my key milestones are just the things that are driven towards my purpose. So uh, my kids and family are the first thing, right? Like my son Bryce is seven, my daughter and I is five. Uh, so me and my wife had Bryce, you know, seven years ago in since having Bryce, it really changed my perspective on life and how I lived it. So I'd say that's number one. The second one, a big milestone for me was having the ability to bring my mom to one of my talks and hear her uh, talk, hear her, like let her hear me talk about her and what she means to me. And I always say like, it's hard for people to get the flowers when they still smell them. And I wanted to let her know how much she meant uh, and means in my journey. And I would say the last one is a TED talk I did about two years ago, two and a half years ago, and not necessarily because it was a TED talk or that talk had any more weight or validity than any other talk that I did, but it was because of the circumstances. I was in the hospital the day before the talk, and I remember you know, telling the, the doctors and whoever was around me that it didn't matter what the prognosis was. I was going to do that talk regardless if I was going to die on stage or not. So uh, I think those are the three milestones that really stick out in terms of my career so far. Okay. Thank you so much for sharing. And they're all kind of very purpose-driven. And we've had this conversation, but I think it's so important that when we define our our life and our achievement, it's not the old external. It's how did we make people feel or how do we feel around people? And I think that's what you, you just shared. So thank you so much. And in your um, in your seventh book, and you were in Dubai, and we met in Dubai, in your seventh book, um, The Game of Death, An Entrepreneur's Survival Guide, um, which actually I might just read out the, um, 
um, the credits for it. So uh, Claude Silva, who is the chief heart officer at, at Vanarex, says, when people go high, Cornell goes higher. A true entrepreneur and optimist, Cornell has an incredible belief in the human spirit and what we're all capable of when we mix hard work, strength, kindness, courage into the batter. He has a unique ability to lift people beyond their potential. This is wonderful. Beautiful. And Tony Robbins says, Kanlal Thomas is an up and coming thought leader who will inspire you not only to do more, but be more. And I love what Tony Robbins says, which is not only to do more, but be more. And, mm. and I love this. And I just wanted to hear from you. What does it mean, this being more? Because we talk about a lot of times we, we hear doing versus being or being versus um doing versus being and being versus doing. But what does it mean to be more as opposed to do more? Yeah. Well, first off, thank you, because that's book five, but you said book seven, mm-hmm. which I love. Oh. <laughs> speak into existence. No, I love it. So <laughs> I'm already, I love it. So that's the first thing. Uh, second, I would say uh, people define themselves a lot by what they do, right? Like when the first time you meet someone, the first thing you ask is like, oh, what do you mm-hmm. do? Instead of like, who are you? And for, for me, be more is realizing that you're more than what you do, right? There's a person there. There's a person inside of Mia. There's a person inside of Total and in Cornell. It's not just what we do on a day-to-day basis. So uh, I aspire to be more every single day, which is to show up a better version of me uh, than the day before. Beautiful. So that's, yeah, I aspire to show up as a better version of me than the day before. That's just beautiful. Thank you. And that's very much what Yogi Pranas is about, be the best version of you. Beautiful. Uh, so in that, in, that, in that context, tell us who you are in your own words. Who is Cornell? Hmm. Well, I am the son of Bobby and Tina Thomas. And the reason that is so important besides my existence is my father passed away when I was very young. He's a police officer in the city of Pasek, New Jersey. I was only four when he passed, but he did so many amazing things for the community. Uh, seven, eight years ago, they named the street after him. And he was only been on this earth for 41 years. So he was kind of the community driven, you know, we have to do more, we have to uplift the youth type of person. And my mom is responsible for my mindset now. When my father passed away, she had to raise five of us on our own with very little money. And she was so solution oriented that just through osmosis, just by watching her, you know, tackle obstacles on a day-to-day basis really shaped who I am and what my mindset is uh, as, a, as a man now. That's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. And I have a question actually about that. And this is something that I think about um, a lot is, are we shaped by our parents? So a lot of, you know, we're fortunate enough to have these great influences, these role models, which do shape us. Um, But what about if we don't have those great role models? Let's say, let's say our father was an alcoholic or, or we didn't have, like, do you think that that's a bigger barrier for someone to take that kind of like drive to live a purpose um, and, and be kind of entrepreneurial or no, you feel like we can all learn that? Yeah, I think our parents just provide an outline. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I think that they provide. Mm-hmm. And, and whether you follow that outline or not, you can see it so many, you know, millions of instances mm-hmm. where people do and where they don't. Mm-hmm. So when I talk to people that have like, you know, background where, you know, they're a single parent home or their parents are, you know, drug addicts or alcoholics, and I see that they can thrive. Well, that says to me that if this human being can do it, any human being can do yes. it. Not discrediting the circumstances, but also saying that it's possible. And in this day and age, there's so many people that put impossible in front of things that they can't see what's possible. So if you can see what's possible, then despite your past, you don't have to be a product of it. Yeah, 
I love that. And that's beautiful that, you know, the past does not define us, that it's, it's nice mm. to have the blueprint of like seeing our parents, because obviously seeing your father being this amazing role model in the community inspired you to what is possible. Um, but I also think that's, and that's fantastic. And that's like leading by his example. But I also think if we yeah. haven't had that, that's okay. You know, we will, we'll make our own blueprints. Fantastic. Sure. Fantastic. And, um, so I, this is something that I, I think about myself and I think that's such an important one that we are, what well, we are now rather than our past. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to read a little bit about, um, your book, which I love the game of death. And we've talked about it, your fifth book, which I've said is the seventh, which means there's two more to come, but <laughs> 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 it's um i love it because it's it's it uses spiritual principles with a lot of like um can do motivation in a way that's very very digestible and i was reading it and you talk about trust and faith and really being the person that you need to be right now which i think is really beautiful and i'm just going to read the, the little bit from you into it where, it where you say i believe the most important weapon for an entrepreneur is to have a strong mind in this book, we keep it real about the beautiful but dangerous game of entrepreneurship, which actually I, I think is so true. And having been an entrepreneur myself when I was 27, I didn't know what an entrepreneur was. I just started, started my design business. Um, it was beautiful but dangerous, definitely. That's beautiful words. Um, and having worked with many entrepreneurs, um, you know, what we see on the surface is nothing like what the reality is. Um, and there's a lot of um, struggle, hardship and, and, you know, lots of things that come with entrepreneurship, which I think you, you, you go over so beautifully. But I just want to thank you. thank you. But I just want to go into the idea of a strong mind, and and we talked about this when we met. Um, and I also think this is such an important thing. And I'd like to use a quote by Hafez, um, who said that the Persian poet, "What we speak becomes the house we live." And I remember we we've talked about this that the thoughts that we have become the reality that we feel or that we experience, and. So this is part of, I think, cultivating a strong mind is like, how do we, um, in your experience, really pay close attention to the words that we speak? Because ultimately, they become the house we live in. And I have seen this many times with really successful entrepreneurs, um, where the words they use really defines, it's like the creates a pathway to the future. And similarly, if you have these negative thoughts and blocks as a human being that you, you're not good enough, or it's going to fail, ultimately, that's what happens experience that's exactly what happened to me that when I had my design business at the age of 27 I was doing all the right things and I was getting into publications and and, you know people were thinking I was doing so well but ultimately I had this belief that one day I was going to fail and I was going to stop and that's exactly Mm. what happened Mm. so I just want to talk about you know in terms of for you what does it mean to have a strong mind on top of that you know how is it that the words that we speak that you know create the reality and how do you feel that we can we can a little bit like be more aware of that? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. Thank you. So in uh, 1902, James Allen made the book As a Man Thinketh. And if you, you go back to that book, everything that people talk about today, the secret, everything is based off that book. A lot of things are based on those principles. And this is 1902. So he got it from somewhere and they got it from somewhere and they got it from somewhere and they got it from somewhere. So that tells me that since the beginning of time, men and women have been, men and women have been speaking this way. Right. Where they re- we realize how powerful our thoughts are. Our thoughts can become our actions or our thoughts become something that becomes this uh, debilitating where we stop moving. Right. We start to analyze so much that we get this paralysis by analysis. and We don't move forward. Uh, we were talking before uh, when we were when we met and, there, you know, obviously there's like 60 to 70,000 thoughts that we have per day. You can't control all of your thoughts. For me, it's about controlling 
the action to those thoughts. So if I'm walking down the street and I say, well, I want to steal a piece of candy, right? That's a thought that comes in my head. The thought could be innocuous. It could just be something that just randomly pops up as an impulse. Now, how I act on that thought depends on where I go with it, right? So I would say monitoring your thoughts, not trying to control them because you really can't fully control them. What you can't control is what you do when they come up. And you can also do the detective work and realize, well, why are they here? You know, why at 27 years old, Mia, were you already thinking, despite being successful, that eventually this is going to fail? So you have to go deeper into those thoughts and start figuring out, well, why am I thinking that way? And usually it's something from our past or maybe something someone said or something, you know, how we were raised that ends up becoming the answer to those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Definitely, exactly. And it's that detective work that you're you're completely right of like, why am I even having these thoughts? And I I, I suppose that self-awareness is reflect back on you know, why am I even thinking the thing that I'm thinking why am I having this thought um and then maybe at 27 you you know I'm just thinking I wasn't even ready to, to even have that conversation with myself um but but to that point look how I, I really think that's why I think training young people um to mm-hmm. really be aware of these things is so crucial because if we wanted to create transformation in the world if we want to um stop global warming or, or stop, but you know really kind of you know, create the impact that the world needs for us. We need the youth to be more aware and to be more conscious yeah. and live in alignment with, um, with, with, with their purpose and really to be thinking and having these conversations, which majority of the time in our modern education, we don't even get taught to even think like this. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. beautiful, Mia. Like, I always say that, you know, my purpose is helping people realize they have mm, one. Yeah. Because the youth... You know, you can get, I mean, there's adult, millions of adults that are walking around the earth that don't think they have a purpose. They think that their whole entire purpose is just working and then eventually dying. Mm-hmm. So to get to the youth and say, no, there's a reason that you were created. And if you look at just statistically how you're actually even here on the speck in the universe, then you have to assume that there's some, there's a mission for you to do while you're here. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, exactly. And it's that thing of, yes, you know, I have a mission. Everything happens for a reason. I love that. And actually, I've been thinking of that, about that as well, that everyone that we meet along the way is a teacher. Mm-hmm. So we, we, yeah. we maybe don't realize it at the time. They might come and really irritate us or grain at us or actually like we just want them to go away sometimes. But actually, they're our teacher for something. And when we think, why is that person there in my life right now? What are they there to teach me? It does help. So I think everything is purpose-driven i think if we be more conscious that everyone that we meet every experience that we have is there to kind of align us with our purpose which is to create Im- kind of positive impact um then i think you know life flows a lot better and i think it's about maybe especially with the the youth and we talked about your experience as a child and, and mine when i was young, younger and i had my business it's like if we know this when we're younger it it just changes everything for us and um, yeah, I mean, it, it combats you, right? Like it, it, you're able to combat some of the things that life mm-hmm. throws at you and realize that there's a bigger picture and you're also being yeah. guided, right? It's very hard for people that don't think like we do, Mia, to realize that there's you're being guided. And if you really sat down and thought about all the people that came into your life, both, you know, quote unquote, good and bad, you'll see that it's led you to where you are right now. Then you have to ask yourself, well, why? You know, why am I being guided? Not by who, because from that's that should be obvious to some people. Like, obviously, there's a higher power involved. But the, why am I being guided this way? Like, why, Mia, did me and you meet? And while I'm in Dubai, I'm from New Jersey, 
and here we are, like we just connected immediately and here we are on your first podcast, yeah. right? So it's, there's a reason, there's a guide that is, is kind of, uh, kind of like guiding us through life as we go. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that, I, that is beautiful. I am being guided. And I, and I absolutely love that. And that's a strength. Like when you feel like I am being guided in, in life, there's a sense of, I don't know, ease that comes, I think. And, and that everything will be okay because actually everything is already okay. That's why I think like, everything is already yeah. okay. Everything's meant to be. And there's such a release, yeah. like an ease of that feeling um, that I think is beautiful. And I just want to understand a little bit, um, for me, I'll, I'll say that this didn't come naturally, this, this way of thinking. I had to hit a few brick walls um, and have a, quite a few challenges that made me kind of wake up and think, well, well what's happening? Like, how, how am I living this life? Um, and kind of hit rock bottom to kind of get to this stage. But I want to know from you, what, um, what, what made you see or feel that you are being guided? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it wasn't until... I got injured, you know, I was, I was, my track was playing professional basketball. That was my goal uh, since the, since the age of 16 years old. That's, I wanted to do that to help my mom uh, not struggle financially anymore. And I love the game of basketball, but I would do it for free. So it was really for my mom to not struggle. And then a week before going overseas to play professional basketball, I ruptured my Achilles tendon. And the one thing that happened, which is happening now in this, you know, quarantine stuff and pandemic stuff is it gave me time. It gave me time to really assess my life and think. And I was so connected to my label as uh, of a basketball player that I didn't realize that this could be a sign that there's something more than just basketball or something different in the realm of basketball. And I started, you know, eventually coaching basketball. And then while I was coaching basketball, I was like, well, this is my new label. And now I'm a basketball coach. And it wasn't until, you know, nine years ago that I realized that you know, my purpose is to help others. I just didn't know where it was until I found, you know, speaking. People say, well, how'd you get into speaking? You're speaking all over the place, blah, blah, blah. Uh, I just saw a need on social media to put light mm -hmm. out there. I felt like it was just so ultra negative. So it started with quotes and then the quotes became blogs and the blogs eventually became books. And I said, I want to share my story. That, that's beautiful. Really beautiful. And we've, that's fantastic. And we've talked about that, that when you speak, it's like you, you feel you have a download. Like, you know, suddenly mm -hmm. it just comes to you and that's, and I think when you speak, it's so authentic and it's very natural. And, um, is that how you feel that you've suddenly just had this download of inspiration when you speak? Yeah. My brother said something to me, my oldest brother, Rob, he's like my mentor. And we were sitting down when I first started, like the first year I was speaking, we were sitting down and he goes, Hey Cornell, where do you think you get mm -hmm. your quotes from? Cause I wrote, write my own quote every single day. And I said, I don't, I don't know. I just wake up and write them. And he goes, you're a very intelligent guy. He, he said, do you really think that those quotes just come to you because you're that smart? Mm -hmm. And it stopped me in my tracks, Mia. Like I was, I never thought of, I get goosebumps saying it now. I never thought of it like that. I never thought that there's something different, higher, way higher than I can fathom going on. And then I start to realize that every time I wrote a quote, I would forget the quote. And every time I spoke, I'd forget what I say. Mm -hmm. And even now to this day, like I can tell you some of the stories I might've mentioned, but I can't. I can never do two two stories or two conversations in the same exact way. They're always different. So I started to realize, like, man, he is a hundred percent right. This can't. This isn't me. I'm just a mm -hmm. vessel, and I'm just relaying a message. You know, you were saying when we met before that, you know, we're in flesh suits, mm -hmm. right? Like this is a flesh suit. It's our it's our soul, and something is coming from my soul when I speak, and 
it does not allow me to remember the information. I just kind of let it out. And when I'm, it's done, it's done. Yeah, that, that's beautiful. Yeah, I think, that, yeah, that's fantastic. And I think that what, what, the, the, what I was sharing was like, we have the, the soul and the soul is in a suit and we get too mm. attached to the suit. And then, and actually that can in a way constrains us. Like, you know, who am I? I am this person, this age, and by this age, I should have this and I should have this job and I am my job and I am, I am how people, the people around me. And it is like, it's blocking the natural flow of inspiration to come in. And I think yeah. as soon as you start to detach from the suit, the suit is like, oh, I'm this age and I'm this, I'm a female and I have to have this and that. And as soon as you start to like, you know, detach from that, the soul speaks or the higher, the, the higher, um, the higher consciousness speaks. And that is where the kind of the natural flow of inspiration and ideas and, and creativity comes. Um, and I think it's an amazing thing when that happens. And it's such a passion of mine, actually, that we should all be there. We should all have this natural flow of creativity and inspiration and joy. And, and if we're not, then why aren't we? Because I, you know, it's then, it's, yeah. then you're just kind of going for the days. And, um, and I think, so I love that. And I think that definitely comes from, from you when you speak, um, this natural kind of like download, this inspiration. Um, and I want to ask, like, was this something that, again, I, I try to understand how people think and like um, inspire us. Was this something that you've, again, like as a child you had it or over these experiences that you had as a professional basketball player and a coach and, and, and your, you know, your, your father passing that it gave you that kind of molding? Yeah. Mm. Uh, I've, I've never, I, in a million years, would I've ever thought that I'd be speaking mm. and going to different countries. Mm. Never. Uh, I've always felt different. I felt there was like something different about me. Uh, I didn't know what it was. And I never really had a connection to my father until I started speaking. Mm. Like he was almost waiting for me to figure out what I need to be doing on this earth before he started showing me um, different signs. Wow. So yeah, it wasn't until nine years ago, Mia, that I realized that uh, oh, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. I've always had an ease of, you know, speaking. You know, I've always had an ease about me when it comes to that and being a, a basketball coach at a high level. You know, you have to engage uh, high school kids and college kids for a long period of time on a daily basis. So I know I can inspire people, you know, to, but I just speaking would not, I mean, 10 years ago, you said, hey, Cornell, you're going to be in Dubai speaking at, I'm like, no way, get out of here. Right. So this is all just very fairly new in the last decade for me. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Fantastic. And I think that happens to a lot of us where maybe in our twenties or early years, you know, we don't, we don't assume where we're going to be. So for me, like I studied design, I studied art. Um, I had this very kind of fixed idea from when I was 11 or 12 years old that I was going to be a designer, that I was going to live in London, that I was going to have a certain type of life. By 27, I was going to be married. By 29, I was going to have my first child. 10 years later, not married, no children, not a designer living in Dubai. But like, um, yeah. but actually, but yeah. I think everything that happened, like all that I can see that all the pitfalls and the disappointments in life was for a purpose to take mm -hmm. me here. And then if I have any disappointments or anything that doesn't work out now, it's to take me to the next level, the next level, the next level. Yeah. I love um, it. I know. And it's like, and that's a strength. I know that's a way of, I think that, um, of just kind of where life eases because you don't get disappointed by life. You just flow. And I think, and I think, you know, when we talk about entrepreneurship, it's, and we had this session on, um, resilience for entrepreneurs uh, this week, and the people that the entrepreneurs that came and I invited them based on that I've seen they have a lot of resilience and grit when they were sharing 
there was a certain kind of mindset among them. There was a certain mindset of, you know, I think ease. They were, you know, they were, they're not people who get tense or get worried about certain things. It's like everything flows for them. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. And we were trying to, yeah. They're yeah. The same, yeah. The, they're the same in the rain and the sun. Mm. Yes. Yeah. So would you like to expand on that? That's lovely. The same as the rain and the sun. Yeah. yeah. So I heard uh, this famous coach once say, you don't fix your house. You, you don't fix your roof, your roof when it's raining. Mm. Right. And that really spoke to me because even when things are good, you still should be working on your mm. mindset. Yeah. Right. Because it's when a storm is going to come. That's just the, that's the beauty of life. Right. Like there's good and there's bad and there's rain and there's sun and it's just the way life is. And if you forget the patterns, you forget the fact that life is this way, then when the rain does come, you're not going to be prepared mm. for it. So every day, regardless if you're having the best day of your life, you should be working on your mind. You should be, you know, being, you know, in your thoughts and meditating or whatever you do to take your mind off things or to empower yourself. So uh, I just think it's, that's the beautiful thing about life. We were given the ability to love and all these great things, but it's a, it's a roller coaster. You know, there's going great the whole entire week. And then mm. one phone call, one comment or one, whatever could change the course of your life. So it's just having the kind of even keel mindset through both where you're just like, okay, I'm ready for whatever comes my way. It makes life a little bit easier. Yeah, completely. Yeah, exactly. And I love that. You don't, uh, you don't fix your roof when it's raining. That's, that's a really great way of putting it. So you're continuously working on your mindset, on your agility, your, resili- your resilience, so that when the storm hits, you're ready for it. And I think that's, that's really beautiful. Yeah. And has that been something from the, well, maybe from the entrepreneurs that you interviewed in, in your book, has, has that been something that you've noticed, that, that ability to um, really have that, or that desire or grit to continuously work on their mindset uh, so they're ready yeah. for the storm? That's why I wanted to have entrepreneurs from all over the world because I knew they'd have the same, it'd be the same mm. thing. You know, and I call I call it bounce back ability. Mm, right? Back. Bounce back ability is when you get knocked down and even if you don't pop up, you know, eventually you find your way, you stable yourself, you start to climb up. And every single one of those entrepreneurs in the book, they've all been through something hard. Every single one. Doesn't matter what they look like, who they pray to. And I think that's the beauty in entrepreneurship is that we speak a common language. I know that if you're an entrepreneur, you've been through XYZ, regardless of who you are. And you know that I've been through mm. the same. So uh, that's why it disappoints me when entrepreneurs don't collaborate mm. more. Because, man, we're, we're going through the same thing. We're both speaking the same language. Why wouldn't we? No, I love that. Yeah, and it's so true that kind of we, we do need to collaborate more. And I think, you know, I would say, like, we don't need to all be entrepreneurs. Because I, I know we talk about entrepreneurship a lot, but we don't need to actually have a business, I don't think, to have that entrepreneurship mm. mindset. You can be in a corporate and have that kind of entrepreneurial mindset. You can be a creative. It's, it's the mindset of I want to create something. I want to create value. And I always think, on, yeah. for me, why I'm attracted to entrepreneurship is that desire to create value, I think. And not just yeah. go through, like, step by step and then, you know, wait till 6 p.m. and then go home. Yeah. I, love that. I love that the ability to create yeah. that's that's an, yeah beautiful. for sure beautiful um so i think in terms of um so this is just a kind of like a, i suppose an introduction into to your mindset and and you know entrepreneur and why we think the mindset is really important in terms of entrepreneurship 
Um, it'd be nice, I suppose. One of the the challenges, and this is what yoga entrepreneurs really tries to do, is we we what I've noticed is that people who do yoga, they're into the spiritual world, they they meditate, they're kind of there in terms of them their minds, and and they understand the importance, and they really live this kind of like you know world of like I focus on on my mind and I have balance in my life. But what I've noticed is um, with with entrepreneurs or people who work in the corporate. They don't. And I think the idea of yogipreneurs, I mean, again, not all the time, is that you connect spirituality and yoga with entrepreneurship so that, you know, you have the best of both worlds. Because I don't think it's enough to just be meditating in India all, all the time. Um, it's, it's about, no. like, having that balance and bringing those kind of spiritual ideas into the everyday so that it creates impact. And uh, we talked about this yeah. a lot, which is, you know, sometimes this is these esoteric principles and concepts of like meditating, not in my tip, but the principles of, okay, I, I get downloads or um, I don't know, I, I, I follow the universe and things just happen. They're sometimes quite complex or seem unrealistic yeah. to the to, to people. So I know that we were talking about um, uh, one of them um, over the weekend, I was talking to a couple of friends and we were talking about this idea of thoughts become things. And then there was a little couple of scoffs and, oh, really? How can thoughts become things? So even the idea that thoughts become things that we get, a lot of people will, will dismiss it because it doesn't, it doesn't seem tangible to them. So how do you, how do you feel we can take these spiritual concepts and really make them more, uh, adaptable for people's lives and people who really need it. So if you're um, a struggling entrepreneur, maybe you, you're a single mom, you're you're in the trenches of everyday life, how can these um, principles be adapted, do you think? Or, or how can we kind of bring those principles to, to, to everyday living? Yeah. Well, if you speak in that language of spirituality, then just realize you have to understand that everybody yeah. speaks the language. That's the first thing. And I think the reason that spirituality is lost is that people think spirituality is religion, mm. right? Or they think spirituality is so woo woo that you're up in the sky somewhere talking about unicorns and you know flying dragons and stuff, right? So I think it's the it's very important to realize that not everybody, you know, knows this world and you have to meet them where they are. Uh, secondly, it's just using kind of real life terms. So like, if I say to someone, "Have you ever heard of the law of attraction?" And they say, oh, you know, yeah, I think I've heard of the law of attraction. I think I saw The Secret or something like that. I'm like, all right, have you ever been thinking about a song and it played on the radio? Yeah, of course. Have you ever texted somebody or thought about someone they messaged you right away? That's happened to me a ton of times. Yeah. Well, that's the law of attraction, mm -hmm. right? So you have to ask yourself, well, how did you manifest that? Like, how did that happen? You know, there's times where I'm thinking about some obscure movie or we're having a conversation that I turn on the TV and there it is. Right. There's times where you say, man, I wish I had five dollars because I have no cash on me. And then you look under your car seat and there's five dollars. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you can do that in a positive way, you can probably also do that in a negative way as well. So have you ever thought to yourself, man, this day is terrible. It can't get any worse. And then something bad, something else mm -hmm. bad happens. Right. It's all coming from the same place. So it's just putting it into layman's terms and giving them real life examples that they can uh, that they can relate to and say, oh, OK, I get that. OK, so if it can happen on this scale. Can manifestation happening on an even bigger scale? Mm. Well, yeah, you manifest the life that you want if you're willing to work for, like work towards it, and then understand it. So, I just put things on really like basic layman's terms, and then I go from yeah. there. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's really well said. Thank you. And I think if it, for me, if the advice that I would give to my younger self, my seven-year-old self, would be exactly that, um, that I would mm. really kind of. 
make my younger self be aware that you know I am the creator of my experience um and you know just to kind of be a bit more aware that those thoughts that I that, that I have and you know they, they do create my reality so I think it's such an important thing to in some way to kind of guide young people children um teenagers that actually we we, we our thoughts back to that create the experience that we're having and just to be aware even that thing of you know saying oh i'm having a really horrible day chances are the day will get worse if you say no today yeah. i'm gonna have a good day things will will shift i think this it's important to say because a lot of and i think this is the final thing a lot of um, spiritual practitioners will say well it doesn't even matter if you're having a good day or bad day because it's how you feel but mm. but i think that's again too too kind of high level because of course if you suddenly you know your car breaks down in the middle of the motorway, you're having a bad day. Like, but, yeah, yeah. but it's about then how you frame that, I guess. It's about how then you say, you know, yeah. okay, it doesn't matter. It'll be fine. I'll, I'll sort it out. Yeah. It's yeah. how you bounce back, as you were saying, the bounce back. You said something, Mia, that I, right now, and you said it before earlier, that I think is so true. And I th it's very important for people that live that enlightened life to understand. People are living, regardless of the world, you know, not being real or not, people are living in it, right? So when you first heard that Santa wasn't real, right? In your world, mm. he was. In your world, there was a big chubby white dude that went down your chimney and gave you presents, right? And then someone told you that it wasn't. So it shook the fabric of your existence. You're like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. This is crazy. Especially if you were shocked into understanding that, like, or you caught your parents delivering the presents or some kid at school told you. So... A lot of people that are in this matrix, they don't realize it is mm. the matrix. So you can't just assume, well, 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 there are no bad days. Well, yeah, dude, there is a bad day. I just had one. You know, like someone passed yeah. away or I had a flat tire and this happened. Like this was a bad day, right? So yet you, again, it's like meeting people where they are and not talking so far above their head and into the clouds that they just, they're not going to relate to what mm. you're saying. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Exactly. Exactly. So I think it's like you're, we're in the matrix and we're experiencing pain or pleasure and, and all these things are real and they're physical. And it's about like, okay, yes, we are feeling it. Um, let's not deny it. And I think there's a nice quote by um, Brene Brown, which is sometimes excess, and I love this, which is excess positivity can be toxic as well. And I love that because, you know, we could we could only be as po show positivity to the if we're feeling it. So if we're having a really bad day and things are going wrong, it's going wrong. We just have to accept it. Um, but it's how we bounce back. And I think spiritual kind of agility is about bounce back, I think. How quickly do we bounce back from that feeling of, of that negativity? Or how quickly do we bounce back from feeling, oh, this was a bad day, or this is not going to happen? And I've noticed for me personally, it's my bounce back is faster. So I still have bad mm -hmm. moments. I still mm -hmm. have bad days, but I bounce back faster. Um, I yeah. and I think the last question I have because we we I think we could talk for like a day so so I think we have to do many more of these um, is uh, yeah. and I, I want and I really want to ask everyone this who comes on these podcasts and I'd love you to be the first is what advice would you give to your seven year old self? Well, if it wasn't going to be a butterfly effect type thing where my life would completely <laughs> change and I wouldn't have what I have now, um, I would probably say that. You know, it's okay. You know, like it, that's probably what the two words mm. I'd say. Like, it's okay. Like, it's okay. The situation that you're in right now, like all this stuff mm. is for a reason. I was very angry as a as a young man. And I think part of that was never addressing, you know, not growing mm. up with a father. You know, my father passed. My mom kind of had to 
literally like move on to the next thing, like cut it off, like right away. Like, okay, for survival, I have to cut this off. So I would just tell myself like, it's okay, man. Like you're, you're going to be good. You're going to be fine. Just, you know, understand the good and the bad. It's all for a reason. That, that's beautiful. And I think mine will be very similar. It's all going to be okay. That's just a strong, strong, strong thing to say to your younger self. And I would say that to myself right now as well. It's all going to be okay. Um, thank you so much, Cornell. And I think this is going to be our first of many podcasts and webinars. And lots of amazing. We're going to, yeah. we're going to keep doing this, keep collaborating. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure of it. Um, but for, for people who have been watching this, um, if they want to learn more about you, um, till the next time, uh, where, where, where should they go? Yeah. I would say the two places you can go, my website, uh, cornell-thomas.com. And on Instagram, that's what I respond to the most when people message me is uh, my title, my tag is at uh, cornellthomas34, cornell with two L's. Fantastic. So that's Cornell Thomas with two L's. And we'll put the links there. And then till next time, because I, I feel like this is just the beginning and, and we've, just, we've just had yes. our, well, we haven't even had our um, appetizer. <laughs> so <laughs> we just we just sort of skimmed the surface but but um but till next time Cornell, thank you so much for being the first person on this on this yogapreneurs talks i know we're gonna have so much more so much more interactivity engagement um i see kind of a really vibrant collaboration happening but uh till then thank you so much and uh, for being the first on the yogapreneurs talks uh, yes thank you so much um it's an honor thank, to be with and you. thank you for thank you for being the inspiration uh have a lovely day bye everyone bye thank you I hope you enjoyed this podcast and it'd be wonderful to stay connected. So please feel free to reach out to us on our social media channels on LinkedIn and Instagram at Yogipreneurs and visit our website www.yogipreneurs.co for all up-to-date information on our workshops, retreats and programs. And if you have any feedback on any, anyone that you'd like us to interview or what you would like more of, please do reach out to us. My name is Mia Jafari and it was a pleasure to spend this time with you.